0: This is a certified big Soy Naturals classic.
1: I have a problem. I, I, I don't want smoke. I just want to smoke. I don't want smoke. I look like Jared Padalecki.
0: I got them supernatural.
1: So my value right now is zero. If you think about it, AI is actually the fastest path it's to communism. When I smoke the
2: blue and I smoke I want so adorable.
0: But you can't have it.
2: When I hit the blunt, it's a and cut.
0: Enforced farming is
2: really not a vibe.
1: Hi, hello, welcome, paypigs and prayer warriors. Um, Oh my God, this week has been quite the whirlwind. Um, But I was just like, you know, looking back, I was scrolling through my TikTok feed and everyone just kept talking about oh my god, like 2014 Tumblr, they keep uh, talking about Tumblr like it's like dead, um, simply because they're not on it anymore. And I would just like to say, um, it's still a very much a real website that still exists. It's like a chemical,
2: like when you have ants in your house, and you can like pour it on the ants. Yeah. And then it makes them think that they're like dead or like it makes the other ants think that they're dead or something so that they mm-hmm. don't want to like go there anymore and so they yeah. like interact with the like still living ants being like well guess this is a ghost town
1: gotta go mm-hmm. somewhere else um yeah, they like smell the stench of death and mm- then they just
2: leave right. they book it i feel like when people talk about like tumblr being dead like right in front of me i feel like i'm one of those ants um <laughs> And I'm like just stayed behind. I'm like, I'm I'm right here. I'm alive. I'm alive. And they're like, <laughs> I can't like you smell like death, like the chemicals. Um so I don't know, but I um was thinking about this because I have a friend who has a younger sister who's I don't know, like twenty or mm-hmm. something like young, um, Yeah, younger than me. Younger and than me. She has an excuse for this, which is that she doesn't work for like Vogue magazine. And so she was like, I really want to throw it back to 2014 um, and was like, I want to play like Lana Del Rey but, like, <laughs> and, and, like, and like Marina and stuff and like kept like making all these references until we were like, hold on, that's actually like you're thinking of 2012, like yeah, I, I around... understand like why in your mind she was like I want to bring back like Instagram filters, you know, and so it was like I I understand why someone who, how old would a twenty year old be in twenty twelve? Like this let's is hard.
1: Let's let's have fun. Let's
2: do math. This is hard.
1: <laughs> That's eight years.
2: Eight years. So they would be twelve. Yeah. Okay. Like They'd those years, those years are a blur. I get that. Yeah. No judgment there but for Vogue magazine who was like the 2014 tumblr girl is coming back I have plenty of judgment because yeah even if you don't know it's your job to go do a little bit of research and find out and so when they're like mm, like American apparel like tennis skirts uh arctic monkeys um, like over the knee socks like Doc yeah,
0: Martens is like the, that after-
1: is that's 2012. Yeah, because very soon after 2014 they like went out of business right like what year did they go out of business i'm pretty sure it was like not too long after 2014. Well, and even the we like, kind of on the way out the indie
2: sleaze thing which by the way i have i have such a gripe <laughs> with that term because it's it's Say so- more. it's soft grunge okay it's it is it's soft grunge like that's what it was called some respect on your ancestors i had to suffer through calling it soft grunge at the time you don't get to now come up with your own term for the same thing absolutely not but like the the height of that was all like 2012 also my claim to fame definitely said this before went to high school with the girl that cho- uh, coined the term soft grunge that a had celebrity. had the original Tumblr URL, soft grunge. It's still up, but now it's like soft grunge, like dash blog, because that's what Tumblr did to everyone who wasn't like active in 2017. But mm-hmm. just like, like the, the tennis skirt thing was so 2012. Um,
1: yes. that everyone picture, I knew was wearing a tennis skirt in yeah. high school. Like I, by 2014, I'll, I'll date myself. You know, I was in college by that point. I was in my freshman year um of college in 2014 that that can't be
2: right because you're you're two years older than me well
1: 2013 um august was when uh i started going to college so like jan like into january that was like my freshman year um okay i guess i i did
2: start school 2015 yeah so that that checks out math wise i'll allow it Mm
1: -hmm. you did start college then i believe you I did. I did. I started college like in in August of 2013. Also, you're a Virgo. So you're I, like I a Virgo. Are you? Were you and like young for your grade, or I old? I was actually I was old for my grade because okay. yeah, it was like this whole complicated thing where I moved, um, and I was in like special school. A Everyone special, with a September birthday.
2: Schools as a sob story I was story special school for like about-
1: special beautiful kids um, beautiful beautiful kids who were too gorgeous to <laughs> like go to regular school and I didn't have normal grades so when I started um I was like oh I'm gonna go into seventh grade when we moved uh like towns and they were like mm, actually you're gonna repeat sixth grade again and I was like fucking god damn it so I did um <laughs> so in fact I'm like I am a little old for my grade so like when I turned eighteen in 2013, so I actually voted for. Uh, I wait, voted for Obama you voted for? for and... Wait, you voted for Barack? Yes, Barack. Hussein Obama. What happened was that like my mom dragged me to the voting poll booth and also uh, made me register to vote. I, um, you know, in the like
2: first, my brain refuses to compute that we're not the same age. So mm-hmm. every time that like you throw information at me that reminds me that you're older than me, I throw it away. So <laughs> I have never stopped to think about what being two years older than me would mean, which would mean that you
1: got to vote in the 2012 yeah. election. And, honestly, which and now, honestly, when I did, because wow. like every, every single adult in my life when I turned 18 was like, this is such a big it's like, a milestone you, know you know why 18? they say that
2: you know why they say that it's because you can't buy alcohol there's nothing else yeah. for you when you turn yeah. 18 you can't even buy cigarettes yeah. anymore it's the, it's only the only thing you can literally- do is vote and join the
1: military yeah. and that's the same thing basically and <laughs> it sucks because <laughs> like literally they they kept hyping it up to me all september when i had like when i turned 18 they were like this is like the perfect year to turn 18 because you get to participate in our civic justice system. And okay, I but every year you get to then, vote. There's an election
2: every year. It's always the perfect year to turn I,
1: 18. And and literally, like, November came around. My mom gets me up at 7 in the morning. Already I'm pissed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, why the fuck am I up right Wait, now? Wait, why do you I need I to wake up that early to vote? Because she wanted me to go to school on time. Why couldn't you just go mail in her. your ballot? go fucking figure she wanted me to participate in like the the in-person system because she's kind of a semi-luddite anyway
0: Mm -hmm. i go and i wait
1: in line with her all fucking day and honestly like at that point i'll be i'll be vulnerable i was like you know deep in the trenches of just like i don't fucking know who i'm supposed to vote for it's seven in the morning like who do i vote for down the line Were you thinking about about, um mitt were you considering Mitt? No. Okay. No, it's more just like down the line other than Obama. Who do, who do I fucking vote for? Obama. I didn't know. But when people say- they kept, um they kept telling me, <laughs> they, they kept telling me, you gotta, you gotta vote. You gotta, like, mm-hmm. this is so exciting for you. But then they didn't really tell me how to vote because I didn't really know who I was supposed to vote for. Yeah. And I asked my mom, she says, just vote Democrat down the line. Uh. And so I just fill out a sheet. I put it in. And literally, I remember turning around And she was like, you did it. And I'm literally like, yeah, I guess. And I just was so viscerally disappointed Mm -hmm. that this was like, because they kept hyping it up. Like I was going to feel like I was like ascending to, like that I was a child of God somehow for like voting, that I was going to like feel this unbridled sense of like civic responsibility. And I felt nothing. (laughs) I wonder (laughs) if that is
2: how they feel and that's why they're always like, you gotta vote. Like, maybe it's, like... Yeah.
1: They really get their juice from yeah, this whole... Maybe it's, like, an upper. I
2: will... Yeah. Okay, I'll be brave. I also voted for Obama, technically, in 2008. Um, so, like, yeah, as you know, I have Marxist parents, as you might know, and um, my mom was not an American citizen, like, her whole life. So, when she became one... I think I was uh like seven or eight and you get to register to vote then and it I think would have looked weird if they gave her the option to register to vote, like at her citizenship ceremony and she was like nah I'll pass. Um but my dad, uh, as an American has always been involved in like a lot of like radical organizing. Um and because he's older like doing that in the 60s and 70s meant uh, a pretty strong distrust for the state and mm-hmm. uh, anyone involved in it, like, really at any level. He wouldn't let me watch Parks and Rec as a kid because he was like, this is like s- state propaganda
1: he saved you. Yes, yeah, he, he saved did. You, I mean he obviously. saved
2: me from corn. Um, yeah. But so he he was like never registered to vote and I was so passionate about the idea of Barack Obama in 20 or 2008 um, or like 2007. Like I watched all the presidents. I watched all the presidential debates. I like I knew all the characters. I wrote a letter to each of the candidates because I was um, I was such an Iraq war hater and I like hated George Bush with like every fiber of my being but I hadn't I was a child I was like 12 so I hadn't yet like come to the conclusion that George Bush was just like part of the problem I think since he was the only president I was like consciously alive yeah. for my thought process was like if we get this guy out like, with really almost anyone, like, <laughs> like things are going to be good, um, which was really cute of me. And so I was excited because my two faves had made it through. I was a, I was a John McCain fan and I was an Obama fan because John McCain, if you remember, was the only Republican besides Ron Paul, who was like against the uh, Iraq mm-hmm. war. Yeah. And I... I think I also liked Ron Paul, actually. I think I was, like, I'd be happy with either Ron Paul or John McCain. And then I, like, wanted Obama or Dennis Kucinich. I, like, I remember this vividly. And I was so upset with Hillary Clinton when she started spreading the lie about Obama being a secret Muslim. Which
1: So you were an original Hillary Clinton mm-hmm. hater. Yeah, because
2: no one, no one remembers that she was the one that started the whole, like, he might not be an American citizen Mm -hmm. thing and then when he like did secure the nomination um, she like took a really long time to drop out before the convention and when she was asked about why she was like well I don't know if you remember what happened to Robert Kennedy (laughs) but sometimes candidates get assassinated
1: (laughs) and it's like ma'am what like (laughs) Sometimes candidates just go for a drive.
0: <laughs> Sometimes
2: they just need to clear their head.
0: Um, so
2: I, yeah. Anyway, I was just like, I was in Obama stan. I was like, he's going to end the Iraq War. He's going to close Guantanamo Bay. Like, he's going to fix everything. He's great. And so I peer pressured my dad to register to vote for the first time in. I guess he would have been like in his fifties by then, and he had never done it, and was like a principal like non voter. And, you know, he loves me. So he was like, I'll do, I'll do it for you. Um, but I want you to know what kind of decision you're making. And I was like, yeah, this is a great decision. It's going to end the war. Um, <laughs> and, and he took me into the, into the booth so that I could press the buttons. And I felt really good when I, I stayed up. I watched CNN that night. I watched Wolf Blitzer be a hologram. And when they announced that Obama won, I was like, this is it. Like, this is the end of the Iraq War. Like, all of, climate change, don't have to worry about that anymore. Our problems are over. I was so happy. Um, and I guess I inherited my stubbornness from both members of my family because. Pretty much every time I talk to my dad now, he gives me an Obama update, and he's like, still happy with your choice? It's like, you you still... (laughs) (laughs) Like the other day, he sent me an article about about Guantanamo Bay and was like, (laughs) it's still open. Thought your boy was going to close it.
1: That's so petty. Oh my God. Yeah, actually, he was, you know, he was right. Of, he was right. Speaking, speaking of the 2008 inauguration, I'm going to post my mom's L on the podcast right now. Um, it's, it's, an it's, I net, I will never forget it. Uh, it was 2008. I'm 13. Uh, we are, we live in DC now. So like big deal, big honking deal about the 2008 election, right? It's huge deal. Um, <laughs> As a side note, we did go to, like, the pre-inauguration, like, concert that they do. And I remember my mom was, like, so mad because Joe Biden kept yelling into the microphone and was, like, hurting literally everyone's ears. Um, And I just think that was very funny. Um, But anyway, the 2008 inauguration night, we – my entire family tries to go to Busboys and Poets, which is a very, very famous um, uh, cafe and, like, poetry venue – it's been around for forever in DC Um, and it's in a very popular area. Um, The line is out the fucking door, right? We don't get in in the end, Um, but we're standing in line. These two girls are behind us. One of them says to the other one, yeah, it'll be really nice to see like a Brown person in office. And my mom, idiot, idiot, (laughs) idiot broad that she is turns around Literally dead in this woman's face goes, Oh, you went to Brown? No. And literally, (laughs) literally, this girl goes, she points to her own face and goes, No, Brown. And I'm standing there with my own mother, and she looks like the she looks like the she wants the sidewalk to open up and eat her alive. And it probably should have, honestly. That was truly no. one of the most <laughs> embarrassing moments of my life, so, and probably of hers. Your mom is a,
2: a white woman.
1: That's yes. what I got
2: from that story. Yes, uh,
1: like ultimate, ultimate white woman. Yeah.
2: peak. And peak. like, I feel so bad. I guess for my for my dad, maybe because I'm probably never gonna vote in a presidential election in my life, and like, my dad had a, he had a winning streak going. Um, Where he he had never voted and, you know, like, got to claim, I don't know, like ideological purity or whatever because of that, which I will get to do. Because I've never legally voted, but like I ruined his streak. And like, and (laughs) he was, he, you get to keep your own. Yeah. And he was really upset because he was like, I don't want the government to put me on a list, which is what he was calling like the voter registry. And like almost as soon as the presidential election was over, he was summoned for jury duty. And he was like, I do not, he was like, I do not want to do this. Like he was like, I don't care what it is. Like I'm going to, I'm going to free the person. Like I don't want to be involved.
1: The minute my 18th birthday hit, um, or not the minute actually, when I went away to college, uh, I got summoned for jury duty and my brother had to text me and he's like, you got jury duty. And I was like, what the fuck? I had to file like an absentee thing so that got me out of it. But I live in fear of jury duty. And oh, that happened. Like, I immediately want- I hated my mom for making me vote. <laughs> I want
2: it because um, I'm in a union. Uh, mm-hmm. Congrats to me and in my uh collective bargaining agreement we wrote in there that like if you get called for jury duty like it's part of your work time like you don't have to take off Mm -hmm. um like so you you don't have to use like sick or vacation time and also like you just have to keep getting paid as if you were Mm -hmm. going to work because you're not taking time off and uh if you get paid also by like The jury duty, which usually isn't that much. It's, like, a couple dollars or something. Yeah, Yeah, But, like, we get to keep that. So, like, I want to be called for jury duty so bad because I'll just, you know, whoever it is, like, I'll free them. I don't care. Yeah.
1: They're not guilty. They're innocent, actually. Are you allowed
2: to talk about cases? Like, is it a secret?
1: So, apparently, like, you're not allowed to talk about it with the other jury members outside of the decision room Mm -hmm. or whatever, and they allegedly you're also not supposed to talk about it with your family like, the pro. But like what? But like no, I okay. I just think like people do. Like we're I don't I doubt that
2: there are people to my parents right? My mom got called in for the funniest one not that long ago where it was literally mm-hmm. a man suing his all female workplace for for <laughs> sexism.
0: <laughs>
2: no. And, and you know what? My my mom sided with the man. <laughs> she was like wow yeah
0: yeah Wow. she was
2: like he was right like he was being discriminated against because they kept making like mean jokes about him being the only man and like she was like i just don't think it's like nice to do that to someone killed
1: with. girl bossery in one fell swoop <laughs> my mom was was doing
2: anti-feminism i guess um yeah oh well, just, about, like, um... So we were talking about we were initially going to talk about the 2014 Tumblr girl.
1: And I guess yeah. your, what you were doing in 2014 was voting? Yeah, well, uh, no, not in 2014. That was in 2013. In 2014, um, I was in college and I was running um, because that at that point, Tumblr was like the um, social media app of choice at um, a, a liberal private college uh, like Sarah Lawrence. Um, <laughs> so... Um, What I was doing is I was running the, uh, SLC, um, compliments account, which is basically like where people would go to send anonymous messages. Like it was like misconnections, but for the campus. And I, um, basically inherited that from the person who graduated the year before. Um, and I was like moderating it basically. So if you, uh, were a person who submitted, um a flirty mess missed connections to this Tumblr page, uh SLC Connections, I believe it was called, in twenty fourteen to like twenty seventeen. Uh that was me. I I approved those. Okay. So. Well I was I was gonna like,
2: you know, it was gonna have us tell our own Tumblr lore stories, but I think instead of that, this reminds me of something and then maybe we should like actually do the episode. But but my college had one of those two. It was called Evergreen Confessions. It wasn't as cool because it was a Facebook page and it wasn't a Tumblr page. I went to Evergreen, yeah, which is a college. Uh, yeah, <laughs> which is a place. I don't know how to describe it besides like when I was considering it, I read the Google reviews for it. And one of the reviews was like, I really like this school academically but I don't understand why there's so many kids who won't wear shoes anywhere especially because it rains all the time they're just always walking around barefoot and they were like also when I was in class someone had a seizure and um like as soon as they were you know like taken out of class in order to like be safe like someone raised their hand and was like hey can I like burn sage to like cleanse the bad energy (laughs) of this person's seizure and I was like this this seems like the right school for me Me, an empath Hmm, (laughs) seems
1: like something's wrong as they seize on the
2: ground like someone's having a seizure you're like oh the the vibes are getting fucked right now the vibes are like
0: (laughs) off right now
2: maybe it's because I'm an empath (laughs) I'm kind of sensing that Um, and so Evergreen Confessions um, was a hotbed of like honestly just like racism and misogyny and stuff because I think like the environment at the school was pretty like social justice minded there were a lot of people who were like LGBT in the Steven Universe sort of way Um, and I think it like created an environment where people felt like if they had opposing viewpoints that they couldn't express them without someone calling them problematic or something. Um, Which The ultimate slur in 2014. Absolutely, the ultimate (laughs) slur. Um, And so people use the Evergreen Confessions page to be like, I really want to say this racist thing, but I'm afraid that if I do...
1: I'm shivering in my boots. I'm afraid that
2: if I do, people will call me racist. Um, And the other thing that my school had was a lot of white people that had, uh, like, dreadlocks. Um, Because, you know, like, barefoot, whatever. Um, And there was so many debates at that time about, like, is this hairstyle, like, culturally appropriative? And is it bad? And, like, is it racist? And my take has always been, like, I think it's funny to look at. I think it's funny to see a white person with dreads because they look bad. Um, But I feel like, and so it doesn't, it doesn't like hurt my feelings or bother me. Um, But I think that the fact that it like bothers so many people is something that a white person should probably take into consideration and for them to be like, yeah, I don't really care that like a bunch of people are going to be like hurt and upset over my hairstyle. I just, I want to do it so that I can look bad. Like that to me is like, Hmm, I don't, I don't care for that. Um, I love looking bad and damaging my scalp. Those are two of my Um, favorite things. And and I have like two really good friends who like both had locked hair at the time. And like for one of them, it was, was like more of a spiritual thing also. And so like, they were really like, Upset about this, like happening everywhere, and um, unrelated to them, all of the white people with dreads on campus got lice and had to shave their heads. <laughs> <laughs> and wow. the um, obvious explanation, you know, use use your little Occam's razor, is that they're di- they're dirty, <laughs> they're gross, <laughs> and. <laughs> and Malcolm's razor of white dreadlocks. Um, and they're, they're all friends with each other. So naturally, you know, they're, they're like, they were probably all in a polycule also. So like, mm-hmm. it's gonna spread, they're all gonna get it from each other. But they refused to um, grasp that reality. And instead, someone put on the Evergreen Confessions page that they thought my friend whose only crime was just, like, being a black person with dreadlocks, like, somehow gave all of them lice, like, unbeknownst to them, and and called her a bioterrorist. Um, and then people just, like, Jesus. latched onto it without any evidence that it was her. I also don't really know how you could... Give other people lice without like having it yourself. Like you just have to I carry have called around. I should the kid
1: in third grade who gave me lice a bioterrorist. It's not <laughs>
2: bioterrorism, right? Like it's just, yeah, it's just it's, like, you just use <laughs> some shampoo and like it's fine. Um, so it was yeah, and and it it turned into a whole thing where someone literally like was because she she refused to be like I definitely didn't do it. She was like I didn't do it, but if I did, it would be funny. And I'm glad that all of you had to shave your heads and they were getting mad at her and they were like, you need to apologize for me getting lice. And she was like, I'm I'm probably not going to do that. And it culminated in someone asking her, like if there was um, like a kid that was dying of cancer and like their last wish was like to have dreadlocks and they were white, like, would you tell them that it was appropriative would you call them a racist? And a she was classic bad argument. And she the she was make like, a wish kid. <laughs> she was like, yeah, I guess, but also like, what's fucking wrong with this kid that they their dying, dying wish is to look like it's a five year old
1: child? We <laughs> need to classify the make a wish kid fallacy like yeah, as a modern is, fallacy. What's what's
2: crazy is that like I feel like like reactionary people are so obsessed with like the appearance of like rationality and logic and stuff. But as soon as they like are beginning to lose an argument, they're like, I'm going to make up a child,
1: a dying child. Yeah. Because it, it happens Caillou... all the time.
2: They're like, what if What if what a if kid his... was dying of cancer and their dying wish was to say the N-word? I feel like I've seen that somewhere.
0: And so it's what like,
1: if Caillou I... was struck, was strucken with cancer and he wanted to say the N-word Caillou so was... bad? And he's saying the N-word, he's French.
0: He is. <laughs> I don't
1: want to smoke, I just want to smoke. I don't want to smoke, I just want to smoke.
2: And on that note, um, welcome to Big Soy Naturals. Welcome. Um, We're talking about the internet. We're not talking about really anything that we've discussed yet today. We're talking about Mm -hmm. the internet. Um, What I think got us started on this was at the beginning of this year, January 1st, 2022, Tumblr banned a whole bunch of words. And I think that they gave us like, one day's notice for this mm-hmm. happening and they were like we they i think even said in the announcement like we know it's bad like we know that the way that we're executing yes. this is like terrible but we're doing it and it's happening in
1: a day um and the reason for to- it- oh sorry they, they yeah no they just made it clear that they um they kind of implied pretty heavily that they had no choice in the matter Um, And that they were specifically banning a bunch of tags and words, um, and also blocking the, like, um, the visibility of a lot of blogs that were deemed not safe for work, including blogs that were just normal people's blogs, um, but only on the iOS app. So if you have an Android, if you're using your desktop, these tags and these words and these blogs were not blocked. But if you are using the iOS app, including if you're using like a web browser oh, really? on your iPhone. I thought that that was at, the, yeah. the workaround. That was the workaround that, that they use. It's like, if you use... You, like in fact, you could you could use like a web browser okay. on your phone to look at Tumblr. But well, you couldn't. On, you like, you iPhone, can't use the but app. You could not use the app. Yeah. It was exclusively for the iOS app. So the, yeah, the, they the it- reason
2: they were coming out with this was like we need to be in compliance with the Apple Store's rules regarding like not saferware content. The funny thing is is that the reason that Tumblr banned porn and also like adult content because I feel like. It's important to like make a distinction between like, there is well, I mean, no, but also like there is porn, right? And then there is like nudity, like just like portrayals of adult sexuality, like Mm -hmm. sexual content that like isn't porn. And people refer to the Tumblr ban as like a porn ban, but like a lot of other things were banned along with yeah. like
1: just a lot of classical art yeah. um, couldn't be put up like no, or like, like someone's like uh, discussions of sexual health personal and sexual education portraits like of themselves like
2: just like yeah i don't know so it's i feel like an important distinction to make that it wasn't just porn that was banned but regardless like when tumblr did that in 2018 that was because of the um like app store taking the tumblr app down because of adult content and so they removed everything that they considered not safe for work like adult content in order to be allowed back on the app store which is important for like advertiser reasons and what caused them to not be in compliance this time was actually because of the decision that they made then where prior to the ban of adult content there was a not for not safe for work filter that you could like toggle on and off on tumblr that would allow you Mm -hmm. to like see or not see adult content like everything else on that website it was like basically useless and didn't work um but it, it existed and that's what allows like apps like twitter or like the twitter app or like the reddit app to be allowed on the app store even though it has content that is like only suitable for people 18 and older because they have that like not safe for work filter. Um, mm-hmm. Tumblr got that rid of theirs. Yeah. yeah. Tumblr got rid of theirs. And um, I guess like Apple was saying that because there's still adult content on there and there's no way of like filtering it out, um, that they weren't in compliance and like took them off. And so yeah. instead of, <laughs> I don't know, maybe allowing adult content on there again or creating that filter... Uh, They just banned all of these words that they decided were um, primarily associated with porn um, or with things that are like only safe to view if you're an adult.
1: Kendall, can you you read some of the list? Yes, I can read some of the list for you. It's a very long list. We'll put it in the uh, description below. But I'm going to read some of it for you now. Uh, Cue music, please. Thank you. We have a cap. About me. Addiction. Amphetamine. Anime girl. <laughs> armpits. Arms. Arse. Asked to tag. Anti-native racism. Babe. Babe. Baby boy. Baby girl. Mm-hmm. Back. Balls. Beaten, Beating, Begging, Belcher, Beard, Bearded, Benzos, Beta Male, Bikini, Big, (laughs) Bipolar, Mm. Biphobia, Bimbo, (laughs) Bimbo. Bitch, Biting, Black Tar, (laughs) Blindfold, Blonde, Bong, boobs, boy, boy's love, bra, briefs, brunette,
0: brunette.
1: <laughs> burns, cannibal, cannibalism, clit, oh. coke, CPTSD, cuckold, cum, doggy, dysphoria. Don't reblog. Ecstasy, I horror, I trauma. <laughs> Eros, like the Greek god. Uh gender critical. Mm. That's a good one actually. <laughs> Gilf, girl. Yeah. Just girl. Yeah, the Tumblr bin. Tumblr band girl. <laughs> Tumblr <laughs> bin girl. Brunette.
2: And I think, yeah, like, I feel like when we talk about like the porn bin, the adult content bin, like I also immediately think of like sexuality and nudity and stuff, but what is also considered adult content is like portrayals of drug use. um, Even if it is talking about like how to use drugs safely or like how to, you know, like do harm prevention. Like it doesn't matter if it's like promoting reckless drug use or advising against it. Like that's still adult content. Um, Like talking about experiences of like mental illness, um like counts as adult content like dysphoria is on there and so mm-hmm. like it's you know Bi- bipolar yeah. cptsd uh, but the, the like, word um is it suicide prevention that's banned my prevention so, is on um, there not suicide which is hilarious you can still tell people on tumblr to kill themselves and that's fine which i support um i think it's funny Um, single parent is on there which I think is very funny so the the words are like words that they feel like are associated with like anything to do with like nudity sexuality or adult content so like I guess brunette must be like a a porn category obviously Mm -hmm. girl is um, and like boy love and stuff Um, but it like has made the app version of the site uh, virtually unusable i mean it banned the hashtag me which is mm-hmm. like what i have always used to tag my selfies it's what most people use to tag yeah, their selfies um, so you can't see
1: them in the app version now in the m category the m category of the tumblr banned word list there's quite a few that are just related to like categorizing your stuff like my face my gif my gifts. My life, my photos, my post, my stuff. Like yeah, these things it's because like, they're categorizing the stuff you've made from the stuff you've reblogged, right? Like... And
2: it's it's because there might be, you know, or or there are there are some people who make adult content on Tumblr who are like trying to get people to like purchase nudes from them or like go to their campsite or whatever it is that they do. That also tag their things with like me, and so because yeah. some of that tag no matter how small that fraction is, has some adult content in it, it's, like, no longer, like, in compliance with, like, the app store's rules. And so, mm-hmm. the, I mean, it, it didn't need to be implemented this way, but the, I think as incompetent as Tumblr staff tends to be about pretty much everything, the fault does lie with, like, apple and the app rulers and i think that like it's you know like we were just talking about feeling like ants and i acknowledge that tumblr is not like widely used by a lot of people and that's fine i think the reason that we wanted to talk about this is not to like gripe and groan about like our preferred (laughs) form of social media like becoming less usable and more about like what implications this has for the rest Mm -hmm. of the internet because i think it's very scary that like one corporation like apple has the i mean what happened in 2018 was wild like it had the power to like radically alter the way that like thousands of people used a website um And, like, Apple doesn't even own Tumblr. It's not, like, the corporation that owns this product, like, Mm -hmm. made a decision with how it's used. It's, like, through its its own, like, as a platform guidelines, like, a different corporation made a decision about, like, how to alter its platform. And I think that it, like, is very scary when you think about the internet becoming much smaller and smaller. And I think that that was why we wanted to talk about what was happening yeah, on the podcast. Yeah, I think
1: i just for you guys at home, um, I would love to just go through like a more clear cut explanation of how the line of labor works between publishing an app and updating an app for the iOS store and the, communi- and the lines of communication between like an independent company that is making the app and is putting the app on the app store is filing an application to do that and is filing an application to update those apps and who they are in contact with um, in the iOS uh, department. So I'm going to be reading off a post from Tumblr user Sreegs. Uh, I'm probably fucking that up, but it's, um, it's S-R-E-E-G-S. Um, I think it's a really important post. Uh, I'll be linking it in the description below. Um, They basically go into how they talk, they talk about how they used to work at Tumblr as an iOS engineer, that they are still currently working as an iOS engineer in general, um, and they still keep in touch with current staff at Tumblr. There's um, what little that are left that they know um, is what they clarify. Um, They don't have a picture of what's going on internally, they wanted to clarify, but they do, um, they can only really theorize about why tags like long post are banned and uh, stuff like that. They can give them a, basically they're giving us a peek on how the Apple App Store review process works. So when you compile an app and you submit it to the App Store and it proceeds through an automated and manual, it proceeds through two processes. One is automated and one is manual uh, to review your app. The the first one that's automated is um, the standards of Apple are that the software has to be non-malicious and functioning. So like you can't like just put up like a Trojan horse virus and disguise it as an app and then have it download on the App Store because then Apple's liable for you downloading a virus, right? So that's automated. You know, it's basically just antivirus software that just checks and makes sure that it's a functioning, non-broken app that also is not filled with uh, malware. Um, the second one is that the program adheres, to the App Store's review guidelines. And that can't be asserted in the same way that a program's like, functionality can. So those guidelines are judged by a human being, like a worker assigned to your app during the review process. The review pro- What they clarify is, and I think that's interesting, is that they said the review process used to be long. Sometimes it would take weeks. But in recent years, they've got it down to 24 hours. And I think I want to make it clear here for the listeners, that's an insane Uptick in production. Um, to go from a couple of weeks in and then in recent years to getting it down to 24 hours, that means not only have they hired a huge group of people, but that just math-wise, right? That means that these people are reviewing hundreds of thousands of updates to apps and new apps every day. So these people are severely overworked. Like that's just a fact. If you are if you are reviewing every single app, in 24 hours, it doesn't matter how many employees you have, those people are absolutely 100% overworked. The amount of apps that are on the App Store is infinite at this point. So reviewing and denying and approving processes, that takes a lot out of you every day. There must be a huge like list of, like you can't possibly get through all of the work in a day. So like it's just very clear that getting it down to 24 hours as a labor process it has to be exploitative. Like I, that's that's a that's me theorizing, okay. Just to be clear for our legal department here at Big Soy Naturals, but it it like the math's not mathing. You know, um, there's a laundry list of things in those uh, review guidelines which I'll also be linking below. Um, but what we're going to be focusing on um, is the um, the objectionable content uh section uh basically a lot of it has to do with porn um some of it has to do with like physical harm uh defam defamatory discriminatory or mean-spirited content isn't included religion r- race <laughs> well okay, you know, what, it, what does
2: it say about religion because i find this very funny
1: yeah what it says about religion is that um <laughs> inflammatory uh, religious commentary or inaccurate misleading quotations of religious texts is not allowed.
2: Okay. Yeah. It's like, it's like (laughs) you, you can't spread misleading information about a religion using quotations. What, what the fuck does that mean? Cause like if, if Joel (laughs) Austin, like on the Joel Austin app, I don't know if that exists. I'm sure I'm sure something like it does quotes the Bible and he's like, So this says that actually everyone should give me $50 and also you're allowed to drink and drive. God forgives you. Um, Like, is that allowed? Um, Is he going to get banned for that? Like, I I think that the intention behind that kind of guideline, I've seen like defenses of it, is that it's supposed to prevent Mm anti-Semitism. But it's so fucking vague that I don't think that It can. And I also... And it doesn't? (laughs) It it clearly doesn't. There's anti-Semitism like everywhere online. And there's anti-Semitism on apps that are allowed in the app store. Um, And I I think that generally I do not trust um, massive tech corporations like Apple to uh, moderate things like racism in a way that is like effective and not like ultimately harmful because people get banned from like Facebook all the time for saying, I hate men, Um, or you can get thrown off Twitter for saying like free Palestine or fuck Zionists or something. Mm -hmm. So like the way that like the idea of anti-discrimination is like, implemented on these platforms has nothing to do with like the desire to prevent discrimination, like in a, in a way that I think is like helpful or is substantial at all. And it's, it's really just like to prevent them from like, I guess the legal liability of like maybe someone suing them for yeah whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, most of these <laughs> are. The, the religious uh... one is so funny to me because there is not, there's not like a truthful and an untruthful, like interpretation of the Bible, for example, like there's a million different ways to interpret the Bible. Mine is
1: the correct way. Everyone else's is incorrect. I mean, if there Um, was a correct way, then theology wouldn't be like a massive study. So so to be like, there's
2: no, like you can't, you can't have quotes with like incorrect explanations. It's like, I don't
1: know what you intend by that. Uh, it's, it's bizarre. I mean, all of these are, like, intentionally pretty vague, um, which kind of allows the person reviewing to kind of apply it however they think of it as. Um, like, I want to focus quickly on the, uh, Apple, the review guideline that's specifically about sexual or pornographic material. Overtly sexual or pornographic material (laughs) defined by Webster's dictionary the dictionary defense they, um, they
2: as they it, quote the dictionary like yes, a like a yes. middle school valedictorian defined, like, defined
1: by webster's dictionary webster's as quote dictionary defines as success cr- as <laughs> <that> <laughs> real baby's first college essay <laughs> it's like i'm webster's queen webs of- it defines Webster's Dictionary as, quote, explicit descriptions or displays of sexual organs or activities intended to stimulate erotic rather than aesthetic or emotional feelings. This includes hookup apps that may include pornography or be used to facilitate prostitution. Mm, Fosta Sesta, right there. Um, okay. <laughs> sort of like if someone who perhaps does not
2: have Big soy Natural's has has small way fakies Um, (laughs) you know like they post a picture Mm -hmm. of themselves in their outfit and they post it on instagram.com and they're like check out my outfit everyone look at me in my little low-rise jeans Um, and then and then perhaps someone else who does have big soy naturals like post the same same pose same picture same outfit but they have a body type that maybe like lends itself to like sexualization mm-hmm, regardless yeah. of what their intent is are they gonna get taken down more than well, they see, that's the 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 other business because in my experience that has been how that works and like it's not just whether or not you've got big soy naturals or small way fakies like it's also Mm -hmm. like trans people's bodies are like um more sexualized than cis people's bodies are by by freaks and weirdos and so like it's very difficult for trans people to just like post themselves like in very like tame settings without it like flagging someone's adult filter. It's also very like racialized, which bodies are like sexualized more than others.
1: Um, as we got into in the pro Anna episode. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Quite a bit. And like disabled um, people as well. Exactly. Um, well, here's the key, right? So um, as going back to sreeg's post, um, that there's a laundry list in those guidelines. We're going to focus on for this podcast, just the overtly sexual part, right? Um, so if a reviewer runs your app, finds porn or what they deem to be porn, right? Cause they're a human being, they're not, they are fallible and they have their own view of what applies to the guideline of overtly sexual rather than aesthetic or historical or emotional, right? They have their own view of that. It's a, an intentionally vague guideline that is just meant to be applied to a human reviewer reviewing a piece of, of, of media. So if they fi- if they run your app and find porn, your app is rejected and you are told to correct the problem. In the case of Tumblr, this would be a reviewer going to search, typing something in like tits, titties, Big soy Naturals, finding porn. Um, sometimes they would search something more innocuous like socks and find porn, you know. People are in defeat. Um, Sometimes they would search something completely innocent, find porn anyways, um, and Tumblr would get rejected. This happens regularly. Um, For them, they said it happened like once every five updates. Every time Tumblr updates the iOS app, they have to resubmit the app for review, right? Because now it's kind of a new app. It's been updated. Um, A reviewer would find porn, respond by sending us the steps they followed to find it, and a screenshot of the content, then Tumblr staff would remove the porn, resubmit, and the reviewer would find nothing and then usually approve the app. Now, once in a while, Tumblr would get a really persistent reviewer and would take a handful of porn scrubs and resubmissions before they finally got a green light to publish the update. Um, However, sometimes Tumblr would get a reviewer who flags Tumblr for porn And then when Tumblr opens the rejection notice, the screenshot would be something that is not porn at all. Like a woman in a bikini on the beach, not posing in any way that is overtly sexual. She's just having a good time on the beach having fun. Like you said, that woman might have had a body that could have been overtly sexualized. And that human reviewer could have just immediately, in their perspective, in their beliefs, in their mind, thought that that meets the guidelines for porn and I'm going to flag it. Um, so then, when that happens, uh, like a laser hair removal ad would sometimes get uh, flagged for porn. you know, like just every person is fallible, they're a human being and they're reviewing it, and they just have no real like understanding of like what this vague guideline means other than their own beliefs. Um, in these cases, Tumblr would appeal a rejection and say the content does not violate their policies and to the best of their knowledge, Apple's policies either. And they won't remove it. It's basically claiming we're not going to remove it because it doesn't meet those guidelines. And in this process is where the problem lies, because um, the bigger picture is Apple's like adult content policies, right? They're vague. They're intentionally bad. But the the line of labor here between the relationship between the reviewer, developer support on the side of Tumblr um, and developer support on the like uh, on the side of uh, Apple, and then policymakers completely fucking, as they call it completely fucking discordant. Uh, since the review process is human, some reviewers interpret these guidelines more strictly than others. Like I said, uh, since the review process chooses a random reviewer, the review experience is random every single time. And then the developer support contact, who is the person that um, it gets bumped up to, right? The appeal gets bumped up to developer support. Um, the developer support contact who is essentially the middle manager um, looks at the report says oh yeah that's not porn and then tells us to resubmit the app again and usually it's approved but once they resubmit that app it's just given to another random reviewer that developer support contact is not in contact with the old reviewer who flagged it for porn and they are not in contact with the new reviewer who will now look at it for reapproval So no one is in contact with each other in this entire process. And that developer contact is also going to be random every single time that you file an appeal. So there's absolutely no one in this process regularly that you as a developer at Tumblr is talking to regularly, is someone who knows your app and knows exactly what the guidelines are on your app and the guidelines for Apple. There's no middleman who knows you intimately enough as like a company to really understand what that is. Neither is, and nor is there a reviewer who is being contacted regularly and being put in this process of like, Hey, guess what? We got this appeal. Here it is. I decided it's not porn. Let's just reapprove it. They're just told to resubmit it to the same form. So there's a huge flaw in that like form of communication, right? Cause there's just no one that is communicating with each other throughout this entire process. You are completely thrown into a random assortment of people that have their own set of, of beliefs and values um, who will just keep pushing back against you. And, like, that's kind of what happens. Like, they make it clear, Sreex makes it very clear in this, they don't think that um, Tumblr is getting rejected because the Apple hates Tumblr. They do think that, like, Tumblr probably doesn't have the best relationship at Apple, but that they are, you know, ostensibly, at this point, and even in 2018 a smaller company than twitter or instagram so like when they when the reason twitter or instagram doesn't have these problems nearly as much is because they just have bigger teams that can put out these fires super super quickly when like someone like flags when a reviewer flags their app for porn they can immediately just like put out that fire so so fast um yeah and this i think like creates problems
2: outside of just, like, making Tumblr unusable, which is that, like, someone Mm -hmm. who is not a massive corporation like Twitter or Facebook or Instagram wants to have an app that maybe hosts, like, artistic content or something on the App Store um, is going to have a really difficult time, like, getting their app approved that meets the guidelines when Mm -hmm. they are maybe, like, a team of very few people. Um, right. And it's like, I, uh, was looking into this a little bit cause I wanted to know how much these app reviewers make. Cause so I know that, mm-hmm. um, Facebook's content moderators are paid like m- minimum wage, um, usually federal minimum wage because they will be like contracted out through like a third party company that only works for Facebook, but isn't Facebook. Um, and will, like be located in a state that hasn't raised the minimum wage from the federal minimum wage, which the last time it was raised was two thousand seven, I believe, or two thousand and eight, which actually is one of the things that Obama did not do was raise the minimum wage. so thank thanks Obama for that one.
0: Yes, um, Obama It's
2: still seven twenty five where I live in Pennsylvania. And I know that that's like how much um a lot of like Facebook content reviewers make. And it seems like the iOS app reviewers are making a little bit more than that. They make around $36 per hour. So that's, that's like, not so bad. I think that that's, like... What does that end up being, like $70,000 a year or something like that? It's
1: about $70,000 a year, um, you know, before tax. But it's also, Uh, I
2: think, just, like, one of those jobs that is not actually, like, a job that anyone can do. And when you think about the kind of content that someone is going to be exposed to through doing these jobs where, like, yeah, on Tumblr, like, before the adult content ban I'm not going to act like <laughs> there was not like a lot of like harmful harmful shit on there. I um had to like make pretty heavy use of the the different um like extensions for Tumblr, so that I could yes. be. On that. Mind,
1: Tumblr didn't have a blocking feature for a long yeah, time. feature. didn't have. A blocking also didn't feature. have
2: you couldn't mute tags. Like I don't know what the point yeah, was tags. of like having tags for anything if there wasn't a feature. You couldn't even follow tags. Like it, mm-hmm. it was. It's always was been. A it's always been a very, a very poorly run website, which is I think super fascinating because. It was bought by Yahoo the same time that Instagram was bought by Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. for actually more money than Instagram was bought by Facebook for three billion dollars. Around it, it had <laughs> it had more users and it did. Uh, they. It's just never been poor, like well managed. But anyway, there was like a lot of like gore. There was a lot of porn. There was a lot of like torture.
1: There was child pornography. There was a um, common character on my side of Tumblr at least mm-hmm. that I because um, I was into the Tumblr funny man. Side of Tumblr oh, for a while. Of course,
2: you were, <laughs> Kendall, <laughs> Kendall. You're. <laughs> were you hanging yeah. out with guys that wear bow ties?
1: No, 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 no. Okay. I'm talking about like the Randy, your sticks, piss vortex type of guys. Oh, um,
2: okay, all right, that's fine.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like one of those one of the people that was like comment on there besides, um, uh, oh my god, I forget what his name is. Anyway. One like a common main character on there was this guy who, like, basically went by the name. If you remember the name fully, uh, send us an email at bigsoypodcast.com. But I remember him as like the vague outline of him in my mind is someone named the Meth Head Ninja, um, who spent a lot of like went in depth and posts about like him microdosing meth, um, and also was like um, had a lot of very extreme beliefs about like uh, drug addiction was like definitely being very misinformative on there, but he also made a lot of videos of him like using uh poorly using like his butterfly knife collection and um his like Shriunkins or whatever. And I just thought he was a very funny character at the time. But honestly he was like probably extremely harmful. Like there was a lot of like pretty hardcore uh like deranged <laughs> users on oh, Tumblr. I mean when I was
2: a teenager on Tumblr.com um, I would get submissions to my blog of people who had printed out my selfies and uh, uh, jacked off onto them.
0: Mm-hmm. And Ugh.
2: my problem was that I was like, "This is cool." <laughs> it was like people, people, people think I'm hot. <laughs> <Surrees>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was getting I, like I was a victim and I was like oh I like I like it like I love the attention yeah. um, but I guess where I'm get- going with this is that like there was and probably still is like I'm just not on that side of tumblr like a lot of really like fucked up things that I don't yeah. think is actually like um a role that you can assign to an individual human being to be like it's your job to review this and I know less about what it is like to be an iOS app reviewer. I spent a lot of time like looking for um, descriptions of the job and like how much it pays and like what you're expected to do. And there's less um, out there about it than the Facebook reviewers. And I think it might be because they make a little bit more money. Um yeah. But they probably
1: sign more NDAs, yeah. so, you know. Like it's it's probably a little more I, a, a little more difficult. I read some I of the
2: bit of well, I, I read some of the reviews, and it was it was like similar to what people said about doing the Facebook job, where it's like mm-hmm. you just slowly develop PTSD. Um, yeah, you do, which I I think like um, it is what made me start thinking again about like the Californian ideology, which is like something that we reference on this podcast all the time. And we can talk a little bit more about it later, but the Californian ideology is just basically like this like libertarian myth of tech progress, but what it actually like results in is the way that like technology invisibilizes labor. Um, And if I feel like the like app reviewer thing is such a great example of that, where like the result that we see is, you know, like the, the microblogging platform that we like to use becoming like unusable. Or like TikTok taking down my remix fan cams of Fantastic Planet because there's some <laughs> there's like a, a hint of alien titty in it. Um or, you know, like
1: or people having to cover up their chest when they lean down yeah. in front of the camera to press record or because s- they don't want to be flagged. Or
2: someone getting banned from Facebook for like posting about activism. But what's actually happening is like like regular people are like behind a screen that they have to work on for eight hours a day, looking at like what is uh, obviously like triggering content. Like they're intentionally looking at stuff that is like triggering, so that you and I don't have to. Um, mm-hmm. And then like sorting it into piles of good and bad. And um, what the Californian ideology talks about is like the example of the the dumb waiter, um, like. Which was something that Thomas Jefferson invented. Um, it, the dumbwaiter is—I don't know how to describe it. It's a—it's 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 a, it's an elevator. It's a small. It's, it's a small tiny miniature elevator. elevator. Right, and you can like you ring a little bell. Run by
1: pulley systems. You ring a little bell, electronic.
2: and you're like, "Food, food, please!" Or like, "Bring me, bring me a tool." And then someone at the bottom of the dumb of the dumb waiter in your house, like they can put stuff in there, and then they pull it up and then it's in your room, and you get the thing that you want. And, like, yeah, um, the Californian ideology, like, says, like, at his estate in Monticello, Jefferson invented many clever gadgets for his house, such as the dumbwaiter, to deliver food from the kitchen into the dining room. By mediating his contacts with his slaves through technology, this revolutionary individualist spared himself from facing the reality of his dependence upon the forced labor of his fellow human beings. In the late 20th century Um, because this was written in the late 1900s Uh, technology is once again being used to reinforce the difference between the masters and the slaves and so I feel like all of these like different tools of like censorship and surveillance we talk about them like they like exist on their own sometimes but even even when they're like algorithmically run like there are still people involved making that happen and I feel like especially in this instance where like it is it is real human beings like reviewing these apps that like get them on or off like the app store um that we just like don't see don't hear from the fact that there's like no articles like (laughs) like, written about like what it's like to do this job and like what that entails when it um has so much influence over the way that we f- spend our time online is like a little bit wild like that you have to look for it in order to find it but i i don't want to
1: smoke i just want to smoke i don't want to smoke i just want to smoke you have you can have I something be, to say. Maybe honest and vulnerable right now on the podcast with you guys. Anytime, like prayer warriors, um, I can give like a microcosm of insight into this kind of job because I used to work for something very similar, um, not quite. I didn't get paid nearly as much. (laughs) Uh, But I used to work for a viral video buying house. Um, And this is like one of the behind the scenes things of like working for these like video sharing social media platforms that no one tells you about is that there's all these like, you know, like other companies like these smaller companies that um, will so like when a late night show or a um, ad for like Google or like some Disney movie, like fucking Wreck-It Ralph or whatever... Um, uses a viral video or just like a a home video that someone uploaded to YouTube as part of their Advertisement or as part of their show you need to buy the rights to that And do you want to go to the individual user and talk to them about it and make them sign a contract that then eventually They'll complain about no what you want to do you want to go through a viral video buying house which essentially has a stock library of hundreds of videos like hundreds of thousands of videos, hours and hours of content that is basically just like stock. You know, it's a it's like a stock library full of these videos. Um, that basically the process is is that a person in the acquisitions department will watch videos all day and find videos that not not necessarily are always viral, but videos that they think will be marketable and usable on their platform. Uh, and then they will email that person. Um, and start a line of content of um, contact with that person um, who owns the video. And then they will make that person sign what I consider to be a predatory contract, um, where if, if, big if, your video gets bought on the uh, exclusive library just for uh, buyers, um, you will get a percentage of that money. That money is a small, like minority percentage of the actual profits. Um, the user probably gets like 15 to 20 percent depending on the virality of the video depending on a lot of different factors of that contract that that um, Acquisitions person made Um, and my job at this company was to do QC, which is a you know uh, content (laughs) Content testing Uh, so I would get these videos uh, I would watch these videos and then I would flag them for content so what I would do is I would edit these videos all by myself it was, it was a, it was a department that should have been at least five people. And it was just me and another girl in India who worked twice as hard as I did, um, for way longer than I did. We're seemingly no overtime, um, where we would blur nudity. Um, we would blur faces because often it was a lot of like ring camera footage of people committing a crime, um, and a lot of footage of, um, violence because they owned a lot of these, um, Fail epic fail YouTube channels that they would upload the content to. Um, so it was a lot of just like violent content of people like losing teeth and falling and breaking bones and like a lot of like violent um, accidents. A uh, couple car crashes, uh, hurricanes. Um, I don't think I got to nearly the same level that someone would. Um, managing a social media website where all of the content is user-generated rather than uh, filed through acquisitions, but I did have some some moments where I uh, had to leave the room uh, and have a quick panic attack, and I was told uh, a couple times that that was unprofessional of me to do, um, despite the fact that I was the only person in our U.S. office in our California office doing this job, um, and I literally had uh, very little support on my end to help with that um i was getting paid 16 dollars an hour um which is Ooh. Yeah, which is very little uh, it's just above california minimum wage I mean, goal california do, you, do you have ptsd at the time uh from that i i wouldn't say i have some moment i think i have now like some some videos that i can't watch yeah you know um due to like like or just, like, a video of someone skateboarding uh, literally sometimes makes me panic because I worry that I, at the end of that video I'm going to just see a broken bone. Um, yeah,
2: I feel like, like, the thing that, that these jobs require of people that is just, like, not ethical is that, like, sometimes, uh, like, I, can, I I'm fortunate that, like, despite whatever experiences like I've had in my life, like watching things does not really like take me to a bad place most of the time. Mm -hmm. But I, I always have the luxury if I am watching something or I'm spending time online, that if I see something that I'm like, Oh, this like isn't, isn't what I need right now for my brain. uh, I can be like, I'm not going to look at this anymore. Like I'm going to get offline or I'm going to watch something else or, like, do a different thing and you can't do that when it is your job to keep watching and keep watching and you don't get to like take the break yeah, that you and, need to take in order to like is, mentally prepare yourself. or even yeah even if you want to like yeah. continue watching the triggering thing because yeah. sometimes you do like if I'm watching a movie and it's got something fucked up in it like More maybe the
1: curiosity maybe the movie's yeah.
2: good like it's just you know you need to take a moment to prepare yourself you don't get to do that if you're like the Facebook reviewer jobs—they don't even let them take like bathroom breaks whenever they want. So mm-hmm. you don't get to be like, "Oh, I need, <laughs> I need a moment away from this." And so the sure. the end result is so fucked up, where it's like it's banning black people bad. from the internet. But the exactly. but the back end of that is also really harmful, where it's yeah, like, I mean, giving people like serious like, and so in some cases like. Uh, maybe not irreversible, but like mental disorders
1: that are going to take years and years of therapy for someone to get through. Yeah, I mean, like I, I was lucky. I got out pretty early because this this company was like a revolving door. Um, people left all the time. Uh, people were quitting like every week. I felt like I was almost in like an Agatha Christie poem, where like everyone was getting murdered and I was just the last one. And every time I asked about like the person who left, they were just like, they were pursuing different things just like very uncomfortable but the main thing that was like so irritating and really got to my core um there are are two stories honestly from it um the first one being that uh the first straw for me was when uh, someone from acquisitions brought in this video of a white man he found a hibachi grill in someone's garage and started uh doing a racist Asian accent um and I pushed back on this person Uh, I sent an email back saying like I just don't see what it is about this content that you consider marketable. And I don't think it's, it's appropriate to put it on our platform because if someone Ooh, finds out, is, it's that your, press. is that your professional voice? Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> and I, I was like, I just don't see how this is considered marketable because that's the whole point of this platform is that it is marketable content. And I don't see anyone using this for an advertisement or anything. Um, and it's also just, it's offensive and it's racist and she pushed back on me and said you know i understand that sometimes we we have content that's objectionable to our taste i for example hate uh, animal cruelty so videos of people fishing trigger me so i understand Wait. what you're going through <laughs> fucking meme that was like all- <laughs> literally literally and i this i, just, I been was been
2: upset fishing. and
1: i came to uh, I, I was upset. And I, and I keep in mind, I had to go to my boss because at the time, like I said, this company was a revolving door. Uh, and at the time, the HR person uh, first went on maternity leave and then quit. Uh, and then the second HR person who was hired to replace her for maternity leave uh, realized that it was going to be a permanent position and then quit. And for the last three months that I was there, there was no person in HR. No one. There is no HR department. Just no one there. The empty office that I had to look at from my desk every day. And this is like a uh, huge company, also, right? Like big company. I, big I know company. The name of it. It's it's like the only yeah. one, or like one of the only two that like does this. So it's just funny. Yeah, that it's, it's that. It's a big it's a big big yeah. company uh it's a company that has had several articles written about it because of the predatory contracts that they have you'll find it if you, you can you figure look, it, it I'm not out if you wanted to but
2: we're not gonna tell you but you could figure it out we're not gonna tell out. you but we're you, not gonna tell you but you could figure it out it. yeah you can fig- <laughs> do it yourself okay i'm not gonna tell you um you made 16 dollars an hour
1: yeah but also the the head of the company is a notorious uh you know, his, one of his big hobbies is to just threaten lawsuits against people. So I'd rather just keep it under wraps. All right, let's, let's, let's chill out. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, that was one of the first straws. And then, then I went to my boss and I told him about this because there was no HR department. So, and I said, Hey, like, I really just, I think I'm right. (laughs) Like that this isn't marketable content and that it's offensive and it's going to be bad for us. And he in the end was like, you know, in the end acquisition signed a contract and we have no power over them terminating that contract. So what are you going to do? I'm like, but as QC, don't I have like some say in how this content is just, is it appropriate for broadcast? And he went, no. Um, so that pissed me off to no end. Um, and I was already kind of pissed off because I really felt like we shouldn't be uh, buying content from Ring like p- people's ring cameras where people commit crimes and steal mail cuz like i'm i'm the only person Wait. between that person being identified and that person not being identified That's ring that you okay i feel you we had a partnership you missed a you missed that part so- <laughs> i kind of got into uh-huh. it a little bit yeah uh-huh. uh, we had people people would submit upload uh, like cuz you uh, we had a submissions version also where people would just give us like unlisted videos that they thought would be good to like that they wanted to like they wanted us to like pay for for them for their own videos, um, so they would upload their ring content and be like, "This bastard tried to steal my mail, and I caught him and punched him in the face." And I Ew. was like really upset because I was like, "I'm the only person because I have to blur the faces. That's the whole point. Like I have to blur license plates, uh, faces. Um, <laughs> there was another big part of my job was concealing identities." So that it would be appropriate uh, for broadcast, because that person didn't, you know, sign a waiver or whatever. Uh, And I was like, I'm the only, you know, it's it them, the only thing stopping them from being identified is me (laughs) a stupid idiot who like you're like knows premiere and can like put a little blur over their face but i have to do it for every single keyframe so sometimes people i would look at old videos and have to fix those and sometimes you would miss and those videos would have that their full face in one frame it drove me absolutely insane you're the dumb waiter (laughs) yeah i was i was the dumb waiter it was great like and people don't realize that like that's like David After Dentist, it's bought by a vid- uh, viral video buying house. Pizza Rat, those, like, classic old YouTube videos, those are bought by viral video buying houses that you have to pay for if you want to use them for, like, broadcasts on, like, professional, like, you know, national TV, things like that. Like, advertisements, you have to buy it. Because that's, like, and then, you know, David After Dentist gets a, David <laughs> gets a little bit of money, and then the, the company gets a lot of money. I almost said the name.
2: Okay. <laughs> you know, it's okay because you can do yeah. content control and you can you can yeah. bleep yourself out yeah that's my whole that's like, my whole thing when we think about like tech production and like technological advancement as a part of capitalism which wants to like extract value and like generate income like this is just like what's going to happen because when we talk about like the wild west that was tumblr like pre-2018 we're not saying like that's what things should be instead, but prior to like the big web like colonizing all of online, there were so many different like pockets of the internet that were community moderated, and some of them allowed adult content, some of them didn't. People who wanted to see like certain kinds of things could go to those places for it, and like go elsewhere for something else. Um, but as like everything is just like getting like wrapped up in the this like nasty sticky umbrella of like big web and social media like it's harder for that to happen um i was thinking about how like there's so many that this is in the californian ideology as well where there's like so many like pieces of like internet infrastructure that like were just created by like guys
1: you know (laughs) yeah like um do you know what a gift economy is i do okay the common is the economy now on tiktok that's that's what everyone's. that's okay different different kind of thing whoops
2: My bad. <laughs> um, I'm going to cut out me being dumb. No, yeah, that's fine. It's it's funny. It's funny to be dumb. Um, so the idea of, like, a gift economy was, like, introduced by this, like, anthropologist. His name was, like, Mouse or something. And he was, like, hanging out um, in places. I think he was, like, observing, like, Kula tribes. And um, the way that their economy worked was that, like, people – made stuff they grew things they they did they created products whatever and then they would like have a ceremony um where everyone like exchanged things and that was how you got more stuff so it wasn't like bartering where I'm like coming to you and I'm being like Kendall I've got a bottle of kombucha uh can I have your airpods please and you're (laughs) like (laughs) yeah of course it's more like I've got a bottle of kombucha and I'm going to just give it to you and then whatever it is that you have like you're going to give me something and that's like how the internet kind of used to work um like the do you know what the MUD program is because I couldn't figure out what the um the acronym stood for but I read that the MUD program which is MUD, which allows real-time net conferencing, was just invented by like a group of students that wanted to play fantasy games over a computer network. So I feel like it's important to like point out that that
1: mm. the, sh- the shit it means multi. It means multi-user dungeon, by <laughs> the
0: way.
1: That's so wonderful. Okay, so like the the sh- the shit that is like.
2: What's happening on the app store now, and also like the surveillance and the like suppression of people is like it wouldn't it wouldn't even be possible without the initial like gift economy like technology um, that was created by just like hobbyists on the internet yeah um, open source right and then it was all like privatized and now it's and now it's shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. which is, which is just like the rest of the world, you know, where like mm-hmm. our, our public resources are like privatized and then it like works
1: way worse.
2: And now you can't post female presenting nipples on Tumblr. And I, I don't even where, know what that
1: means. Is this the part where I go on a little tangent about um, building PCs? Cause I am about we're to. We're so close. We're so close. <laughs> I, think, I think like
2: the other important piece of this is that like, the reason that the app store is so important to examine is that like most of our experience online at this point is like filtered through apps and through like mobile versions of websites. Like we talk about TikTok taking over as like the social media platform for like young people all the time, and TikTok is pretty much like an app only experience. Like it's not like Twitter or like Reddit or Tumblr where there is like a desktop version mm-hmm. um, that is usable. The mm-hmm. like. TikTok website exists but you can't use it even like remotely similarly to the the way that you use it on your phone and like Instagram is like a proto version of that where like you can you can mostly like use Instagram like on your desktop but it like took a while for it to get there because it was supposed to be like a phone-based experience and that is like Mm. where people are heading with the way that they interact with each other online. In 2020, 68% um, 68% of website visits like happened on mobile devices versus desktops. That was up from 2019. It's been up every year. Um, like 54% of like people like spend more of their time online using a desktop versus um, like a mobile device. And that desktop number goes down and down every year. And yeah,
1: TikTok. And is it's, like... it's clear. <laughs> it's it, and TikTok being the Gen Z app. I yeah. mean, you can you can see that directly in the way that when if you which i know a lot of you i i look at the statistics i know a lot of you are in your mid-20s and i know a lot of you don't interact with children on a daily basis be honest Mm -hmm. okay um but i have and my spouse does um as a teacher um (laughs) and it's just it's very clear um i think like in our age group right and i think even for some of you prayer warriors um, you learned how, like, you had a computer class, if you had, like, a, a decently funded public school. Um, and you went, like, you learned typing in school, right? Like, a lot of people learned, like, how to type from, like, those, like, little typing games. They even, like, broke down how a computer, like, this is a computer, here's the base functions of a computer. It's not a magic item. Here's all the things that, like, kind of make it work on a basic level, Right? um here are like the three things it has it has a browser it has like a word processor and it has like a game right uh kids don't really get that anymore they learn how to code but they don't learn how to type so my spouse will see like sixth graders in these classes typing with one finger each like just poking the keyboard some of them even have mechanical keyboards but they only use them for gaming so they don't actually know how to type and basically we've cut out like, because a lot of people have this gap in their information where they just think, well, kids know how to fix their phone, like, on a, like, basically know how to sh- turn it, turn off their phone and turn it on again, and know how to do a software update on their phone, which is already, like, a very, like, it's been a watered down process for you the entire way down. Like, this entire phone is, in, is, like, built so that a dumbass can use it, right? Yeah, when like people someone, are like,
2: oh, my toddler can use the iPad. Like, they're so smart. They're so smart. I'm not, I'm not calling your toddler dumb. Your toddler might be very smart. But, the, like, your iPad was, was meant to be usable by a toddler. And I think that people yes. have this, um, like, misconception that young people are just, like, inherently good or, or better at using technology than, like, anyone mm-hmm. older than them. Um, especially... If you can say that they grew up with it, but um, technology is a, it's a tool like any other tool you have to learn how to use it. I think that like we really haven't reckoned with the damage that was done both by like your child left behind and also by the 2008 recession. Um, I don't know about your school, but the I went to um, like a public school, like a real public school for only one year. But it was the first thing that was cut. Um, mm-hmm. Like the, the, mm-hmm. computer the computer classes, classes. was yeah. the first thing that was cut because that's not something that like the state uh, tests cared about, which is where the schools got their funding from and
1: they were losing funding because it was the recession. So, and now all of a sudden they care again because every kid needs to get into STEM so that they'll get a job and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. So they all, well, with the girls who code. But you mm-hmm. Okay,
2: I think that like you're saying like people know how to code, but I think they don't, they don't know how to code is
1: the thing. I don't
2: think they do like any any school that is teaching that is is a school that is like pretty well funded because I have been doing some, like um, I I have been doing some substitute teaching in like the Philadelphia public school system. I know people who work in uh, public schools in other uh, less wealthy cities. And the idea of like, Teaching kids how to code is is definitely not happening um, mm-hmm. in those places, like in low income yeah. uh, cities or I like mean, other I parts mean, of the I United mean, States. And this is and so this is like in like that's, that's part of it. <laughs> but, and this is in the the, the Californian ideology as well, yeah. where it says like even the construction of cyberspace could become an integral part of the fragmentation of American society into antagonistic, racially determined classes. Already redlined by profit-hungry telephone companies, the inhabitants of poor inner-city areas are now threatened with exclusion from the new online services through lack of money. In contrast, members of the virtual class and other professionals can play at being cyberpunks within hyperreality without ever having to meet any of their impoverished neighbors. Alongside the ever-widening social divisions, another apartheid is being created between the information-rich and the information-poor. In this high-tech Jeffersonian democracy, the relationship between masters and slaves endures a new form. Um, and there's been plenty of like articles that have come out in the past year or so about how even like computer science students um, in universities are just like increasingly more tech illiterate. And mm-hmm. what's interesting is that all of them point to like the same year where they can notice when the the incoming college students just like don't have what they would consider basic tech skills like stuff that you would have expected like any student to come in knowing like even if they they didn't have like a computer science background because they were a college freshman, and that's 2017. And I feel like you can do the math. Like that's very like it, it makes sense when you think about like when the, the recession happened and like when computer programs would have been cut and what they mm-hmm. would have had like
1: the ability to learn before before two thousand suddenly and now they're suddenly trying to put like implement these back in because they are realizing like not like the coding classes but like the like a lot of schools now have like laptops you know and just like well yeah like, they're the, giving this... these kids back the the the, the technology the tech that they weren't illiteracy even... the tech illiteracy
2: yeah. and also like the technology apartheid that is being described in the Californian ideology um, we can see the effects of having like. that it it has right now during the pandemic when so many students are um, expected to learn remotely. And Mm -hmm. I think that, like, the problem also with, like, young people being less tech literate um, and, like, all of these spaces where, like, people congregate being, like, mostly on their phone, like, run through big corporations, like, filtered through the app store, is that if one of those people are is is kicked off the platform that they use um because maybe maybe they're talking about uh like their disability or maybe they're Mm -hmm. talking about what it's like to be black and experience racism or like maybe they're just like a fat person like wearing an outfit and they get banned like or god forbid they are like a
1: sex worker who
2: wants to talk
1: about their experience
2: right Uh... Um, like and and any anything like that that like gets you thrown off your platform where maybe you have an audience, maybe you're like generating income for yourself. Maybe you're just like finding a community, whatever it is that like you're online for and you get thrown off. If you don't have the um, knowledge to create your own space online, then like that's, that's it for you. And then even if you do know how, um, like maybe, maybe you get on new cities and you like upload your own videos there, like, is anyone going to follow you there? Probably most of your peers will not because like the way that they interact with online is like through apps. And so the idea of going from like yeah. website so, to website to like check out different things, is just like
1: not going the way. Going through a web ring. You yeah, know? it's just like... not the way
2: that people like experience, like want to be online right now. Um, and that that creates so many different problems. Like mm-hmm. we have mentioned Sestafosta a few times um, mm-hmm. but that it was a law that was passed in, what was this like 20, it, it had to be 2018. Cause that's when the, yeah. the ban happened. So in 2018, um, like it made websites liable for sex trafficking and other like crimes related to that, that happens on their site, but the state doesn't make a distinction like currently between trafficking victims and people that do sex work. On their own volition so mm-hmm. <laughs> the the problems were like right there and sex workers were saying that before it was passed and no one no one listens no one cares so it had the effect that people said it was going to to have but of course like back page was taken down that's why a lot of pages on reddit were nuked um tumblr got rid of it's not safe for work content like i didn't know that craigslist got rid of a lot of stuff and this has only made sex workers less safe it's also um made it harder to find victims of trafficking so that's cool um really, and, cool, really
0: great
2: <laughs> and like that combined with like tech illiteracy that is also like a failing of our state has some really like harmful implications we can also talk about how like facebook has taken down so many posts by palestinians and their supporters during um, May of last year in 2021, mm-hmm. when there was this, like, explosion of Palestinian activism and education because, like, Israel was just losing their minds and, like, showing their genocidal media to the world. Like, Facebook took down, like, 500 posts by Palestinians in, like, the space of a day. <laughs> yeah. um, and it, it like, not only, like, you know, throws people off their the platform that they're on... But because of the way that people use online right now, it like almost like throws people off the internet altogether, like functionally. Mm-hmm. Like,
0: mm-hmm. what do
2: you like? What are you gonna do if, if you make a blog like on? I don't know. You get on NeoCities. Like, how are you even gonna tell people to come find you if you were kicked off everywhere?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's 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 really really difficult to um, form your own space online, especially in a, in a in an environment where the the idea is um, the only way that you can communicate with other people is, is by gaining clout and followers, mm-hmm. um, is that the only but, way people will listen to you is, is through that.
2: And these filters um, are used to harass people in addition yes. to just like the, the surveillance aspect of it. But um, on Twitch, if someone just doesn't like typically a a woman who is streaming um or a black person
1: very very often yeah it's (laughs) very very often
2: um, they can just report them and report them and report
1: them for adult content um and they will have like their um like they will like basically team up with a hundred different users from either 4chan or from their own uh, Twitch stream, and they will raid a stream. Um, mm-hmm. so often, raiding has been sort of reverse engineered into something positive uh, for other users, uh, where if you end a stream and then you host another stream on your platform, all of your users will be fed into that stream. So if you have somebody that you know who is like a Twitch streamer that doesn't get a lot of viewers, you can feed those people into your stream and like give them views and, and subs, basically. Um, but it's also used negatively. where rating um, is when like like fifty uh, chuds get into some black person's Twitch stream and just start copy and pasting um, just like racist screeds over and over and over again and filling the chat so that the well, people who were actually there for to watch it the chat becomes unusable.
2: Yeah, um, and we're like people say this all the time. Like we're down to kind of like four websites, and yeah. they're pretty <laughs> much all forms of social media that are owned mm-hmm. by like big companies i mean it's what is it it's like facebook instagram twitter
0: mm-hmm. and i
2: guess now tiktok, TikTok. so it's four, four websites three of them are blue two of them are owned by the same <laughs> the same company um, there's two other video
1: sharing websites i guess but then they're also owned by the same companies like twitch yeah. is on by amazon and then- youtube is on by google all
2: of that is filtered through the app store, so the like our ability to express mm-hmm. ourselves online has become extremely limited. You can see it in the way that people have to censor themselves on TikTok, where, like, God, I I can't be on that app like in a real way because if I had to spell sex as segs, like I I would kill myself. If I can't
1: make jokes about killing myself, they, they call. Yeah, I couldn't make any. I got I got uh, suspended for quite a bit because I was making uh, like killing myself jokes, um, mm-hmm. and I wasn't like go, I wasn't saying unalive. Um, some people, in order to talk about their sex work, they they call it corn, which yeah. is corny. Yeah. Blue, tomato, tomato, tomato. Like, I don't. <laughs> I, this, I don't,
2: don't want to do this. I don't want to say it, but I will say it. I'll be brave. Okay, it's very nineteen eighty. It's very nineteen eighty four. It's very doublespeak. I'm sorry. I hate to well, be like this is Orwellian because I fucked George Orwell. He was a fed, but it is a little bit like you can't you can't express yourself directly without fear of um, being taken like away from your lifeline. And like we have talked so much about the way that the internet has helped us find communities like. Learn more about ourselves, about other people, like develop like pretend, our own skills, right? and and so that that like happening in these spaces that are so surveilled, um, and are only like becoming
1: more surveilled is very sad. And the thing is, I think like that mindset that they are, um, they, they're they're infusing it into our own discourse online publicly, right? There are so many people. Who don't realize that like you can make your own space online, and not only that, they have like, there's a lot of people who I think would consider themselves politically, um, like left leaning or even like us, like a communist, um, but they are using a lot of the same talking points uh, that a app uses of "Won't you think of the children?" Quite a few people on TikTok, uh, you know, admonish. <laughs> there's there's a new live stream trick because you can do live streams on TikTok if you don't know. Um, and there's a new live stream trend on TikTok that I think oh is God. kind of funny. I, it's, it's kind of... I, I mean, it
2: is—it's funny to look at because it—it's very uncanny valley. Yeah.
1: So what it is is like basically a a girl what they a, doing a the motion as if they can see you. Person. They can't They're see doing... you. They're, they're, well, I'm doing it for me mainly so that I can uh-huh. like get into the heads, I'm, you know, I'm being very Brechtian right now, I'm okay. getting into the headspace of my character. So you are a girl, you are online, you are doing a live stream on TikTok, and you are you are fully clothed, keep that in mind, mostly fully clothed. Sometimes you know, they're like, they're wearing like a bikini, who knows. Um, and they are from the top up, you can only see them from like their their titties, their naturals up to their face. Um, and they are sort of bouncing up and down in like a simulated sex motion, um, and pretending to have sex while looking directly into the camera and answering questions from from commenters and It's really viewers. funny because like if it's you were having funny. if you were having good sex, you wouldn't be able to
0: pay but attention to the several comments. several people
1: who like the reason I started finding out about this is because several people made videos about this, admonishing these people and saying like. Nobody's consenting to see this, and like this is a kids app, and that's the constant argument, right? When people are talking to sex workers on TikTok, this is a kids app. This is a kids app. It's not a kids app. Let's be honest here. You have to be 13 plus to view it, which are not children. I'll give you that. And this started out as a kids app. It was Musically, which was absolutely just a, a user base of, of children and viners. Um, Jacob Sartorius Hive, rise up. <laughs> All, all you jacob sartorius fans sound off um I, okay but, there's a, there's but now a jacob, it's not it's there's a like jacob Lincoln. sartorius
2: tweet there's a jacob sartorius tweet that's like i want to believe in god but no one reminds me of him and it's like <laughs> that's so profound
1: it's so deep it um, is deep well <laughs> even like no reminds like, me of god TikTok is just it's the cultural zeitgeist. Everyone is on TikTok. How like so many older people 40 plus are on TikTok. TikTok is LinkedIn. Okay, like it, it literally has a user base of, of thousands of millions. I'm not saying that there shouldn't be a dedicated space for children online. I probably could have used that. I saw things on the internet in the early days that I probably shouldn't have. We talk all the time about how nostalgia is a liar sometimes. And you know, I won't, like, lie and say that sometimes my early internet experience wasn't harmful in some ways, but... People were coming on my selfies, me? and I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was a Hello? big <laughs> Hello? Hello? <laughs> the call is coming from inside the house. But literally, like that's a talking point that you are regurgitating because this app wants you to regurgitate it right you are you are being fed into these practices of censoring yourself and now you're turning it on others it's the panopticon baby i'm the cutest prisoner um
2: and the guard says
1: i brush my hair really really well my favorite
2: (laughs) well actually okay i'm like so glad that you brought up the panopticon because I wanted to throw some Deleuze into the mix,
1: because um, <laughs> I've been trying. If you to... have your bingo sheet in front of you, please cross off Cerise's rambles on about theory. <laughs> I'm allowed, okay? I went to I went to Evergreen. I went to and Evergreen. You know what, the fact that we cite like the same three uh, pieces of theory that means that we're just consistent, okay? That mm-hmm. we I think, I think this is a new one. I don't know if I've cited yeah. Deleuze yet. Oh perhaps I might have have, maybe no we talked about simulcrum and simulation that's what we talked about yeah baudrillard yeah
2: (laughs) but like I've been trying to like puzzle over for a while like I I can articulate that the internet doesn't feel fun anymore but like what exactly is it like about the four websites of it all that like makes it not fun and it really is like like, we, we've talked about web rings and, mm-hmm. like, also just the way that you used to be able to, like, like, find new things on the internet or be like, oh, I stumbled. I, like, stumbled Stumble on this. Stumble upon Hive. <laughs> so lies up. Rise up. <laughs> even, like, stumbling upon something, like, was a part of the experience of being online. Like, I found this thing and it's, like, you know, now it's, like, the the Twitter screenshots are on Instagram which and the Instagram is like mostly like Tumblr memes that were thrown on there and like then there's like Instagram posts that are circulating on Tumblr and I don't even know what's on Facebook anymore Mm -hmm. um and it's just like it feels like it's one place and so yeah like online used to feel like this like really vast space where you like maybe not even like a house, like a set of houses, like a neighborhood where you moved from like one room to another. And now it's like, no matter where you go, you're always in the same place. And in Deleuze's like postscript on societies of control, he talks about how Foucault theorized this idea of the panopticon. It's like, you know, in, in a disciplinary society, you were always starting again. Like you move from the school to the barracks, from the barracks to the factory, um, from the factory to the prison, maybe, or to the hospital or something. And like, you're always just like you're never finished with anything like you you start over all over again like the corporation the educational system the military um and they like coexist in one and the same modulation but it's like a universal like system but now it's like no matter where you go you're always in the same place um and you like maybe move from one room to another, but it's like all in the same house and like you're surveilled in the same way. And like the way that Deleuze theorized it is like individuals, like they become individuals, like you become masses, samples, data, markets, like banks, like you're just Sides a, of TikTok. Yeah. You're like a, like a collection of, of numbers or something rather than a person. And, um, like the disciplinary man like in Foucault's system was like a, a, dis, uh, a discontinuous producer of energy is what Deleuze says. But a man of control is undulary in orbit in a continuous network everywhere. Like you you're, are in the same spot. And what I find really interesting is he says like, you want to imagine like a city where you're able to leave your apartment, your street, your neighborhood. And thanks to your like individual... Uh, electronic card it raises a given barrier but the card could easily be rejected on a given day or between certain hours so there's no like real barrier like it's it's this like arbitrary like card like the system of numbers that like prevents whether or not you get in somewhere or out somewhere but it's all in the same spot it's all regulated by the same thing and what is that if not the fucking metaverse and so i think that like when we are, it, like, I guess, like, observing the way that we're online now and what we're moving towards, like, we're moving closer and closer to this, this system where, like, you're just, like, constantly tracked. And I think that it's, it's probably, like, the dream yeah. of our little capitalist overlords that you could get banned from TikTok and your ban from TikTok continues to, like, a ban from Twitter, which continues Mm -hmm. to a ban from Facebook. And so if you, like, talk about unionizing your workplace or something, and, like, maybe (laughs) Facebook doesn't want that on there, you Mm -hmm. get banned from there, and, like, your whole experience accounts for you. Yeah, no more online. It's really interesting because, like, this essay also describes, like, the change to cryptocurrency or like the Mm -hmm. like the way that like a society of control would want to move from uh previous forms of currency like to something else and so it was like the control relates to floating rates of exchange modulated according to a rate established by a set of like standard currencies um like the old monetary mole is the animal of the space of enclosure but the serpent is the animal of the societies of control which i think is that's fun but it's he's like perhaps it's money that expresses the distinction between the two societies best since discipline always refers back to minted money that locks gold as a like a numerical standard but control is like it's floating like it's out there which is also interestingly like in the californian ideology like i don't i don't know how these people knew it it's good for them I guess yeah Um, Uh (laughs) that they were able (laughs) to figure it out I don't know um but just like the idea that I don't know like that technology is liberating us from like banks or like governments or something by like creating these like new systems that are actually like much more controlling um is is super interesting and i feel it's like a
1: consistent myth that's been peddled since the beginning of um the big dot com boom in the early 2000s you know a lot of these people who were working within the dot com boom at the time um and philosophers at the time who were uh had more of a, a like an eye on the tech world um were really uh waxing poetic about how this will like change our our communication with each other it will connect us in a way that will revolutionize our like modes of thinking and we'll finally get the utopia the digital capital hyper capitalist luxury utopia we all deserve and it's just not true and it's a myth that is continuing to be peddled and it's a it's a myth that's peddled when somebody gets like and it's not i want to be clear if if you're the kind of person who has said this in the past it's not your fault um, but you are peddling a myth when you get banned from a website and you get upset and then you get a new alt account and you say like, this is the only place where I can be myself. You know, there's a cognitive dissonance. I, once mm-hmm. a, we should add it to the bingo sheet. Me saying cognitive dissonance. Yeah, <laughs> there is uh, like in the way that you, you've been banned. And yet this is the only place where you're allowed to be yourself. It's not your fault. This is your lifeline, but it's a lifeline that comes with like 1 million clauses and little like, uh, things that you sign un- unknowingly in the terms and conditions. Um, yeah, listen to this, okay? In
2: this version of the Californian ideology, each member of the virtual class is promised the opportunity to become a successful entrepreneur. Information technology, so the argument goes, empowers the individual, enhances personal freedom, and radically reduces the power of the nation-state existing social, political, and legal power structures will wither away to be replaced by unfettered interactions between autonomous individuals and their software. In place of counterproductive regulations, visionary engineers are inventing the tools needed to create a free market within cyberspace, such as encryption, digital money, and verification procedures. And I find that so interesting so fascinating because first of all you this was, this was written right in like right
0: 99
1: like <laughs> you can't see <laughs> it right now prayer warriors. but i'm doing the christian rock hand i <laughs> <laughs> this was written in 1999
2: but also like they, they there is an inherent contradiction between we are going to free ourselves from regulation through encryption yeah we are going to free ourselves and give ourselves autonomy through verification procedures
1: <laughs> if we give enough of our data away to big companies, maybe finally we'll be free. Yeah. All, all my data will be out there and I won't even have to think about it anymore. It'll be perfect.
2: And I think that <laughs> there, there's another part of this that I think is like important to share. And like, I think this is actually, it, it totally relates to why people right now are like nostalgic for 2014 tumblr which is actually 2012 tumblr Mm -hmm. because like what made the internet great and like what made people want to be on there was like this this like actual like for a time like space of of like freedom of expression of like new forms of learning like niche subcultures, and then it's been slowly like cannibalized um, (laughs) by like large corporations. And like we've said before, like this um, wouldn't be possible, like the, the internet and the technology that we have, like wouldn't be possible if it weren't for this like initial gift economy by like people who are just like trying to create cool stuff for themselves, like online like people trying to create the tools that they needed to like hang out with their friends or Mm -hmm. like play dungeons or or something and i think and like oh sorry like you know yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) but all of all of the tools that we have for the most part are we're like funded by the state initially like it comes like there's all this public money that like was necessary to like give us the computer at all and then like it was all these hobbyists and like just enthusiasts like people like dorks who were like making things for themselves and their friends that then got like sucked up by different big corporations and like that's
1: the online that we have now and, and I want to be clear. Sorry, go ahead. There, there's like there there's this myth that like um nothing that um was from the early age of the internet still exists in some way or that like it it can't possibly have been like there's there's this I think everyone just thinks everyone who like owned a computer, even like in the '70s, was like some huge fucking nerd, and just like no, like no one who owned a computer in the 2000s was like anyone but like a programmer. And I want to be clear that these tools that we use on like Neopets or even Tumblr um, are still like they were, they had no greater manual skill than building a Lego playset. Like if you could, like, like if you had the the motivation to get to the point where you wanted to make something simply for you or the community that you were a part of, it was actually, it's actually pretty easy to do. It's not actually as hard as they, as much as these STEM majors and tech companies would like you, you to do. And furthermore, so them. many of these tech companies rely still really heavily on like uh, open source programming that was made way earlier And there's quite a few like uh things that are still run by hobbyists yeah there's quite a few big websites right now that um like you know a server within a server within a server is run by one guy in idaho like that one (laughs) open source program that they use at this big company is run by one guy named dan and he's from idaho and if he got hit by a bus tomorrow that entire fucking infrastructure of that open source program would collapse Imagine it like a giant tower of blocks, and then there's one block right at the bottom that is, like, the entire, like, uh, foundation for this entire block tower. And if Dan gets hit by a bus tomorrow and that open source programming can't keep updating, like, that he does on his own time, you know, he's not getting paid to do that. It'll The entire fucking Facebook would just collapse. We saw that, like, last uh, summer when Apple couldn't get into their own fucking building that was uh, really because, funny that, that was, was so very funny. funny that was a good that was so Funny. i was yeah. i loved that day that was a great day no one could get in the fucking building <laughs> i loved that hilarious because like there was one bit of programming that some guy made that wasn't getting updated and just boop gone now people can't get into their own building because like, okay. they decided to rely on technology but here so here's here's what i'm saying here's what i'm saying
2: <laughs> that like the the internet that exists now like all the tools that we have like the reason that we want to be on here that we like to hang out that it's a cool place is like because it was like created like initially like through this like gift economy system through public mm-hmm. funding like through people just like making stuff that they liked and, and now it's like all, it's all sucked up by little peter teals and and elon musk's and like fucking mark zuckerberg and whoever all these ugly people that wear stupid outfits and the californian ideology talks about this as well where it's um kind of like a repeat of the like california itself um almost where like in the 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 60s and 70s right like there was this like idea of like freedom and like free love, and I don't know, like, artists, like, all, it, it says, like, although they were later commercialized, community media, New Age spiritualism, surfing, health food, recreational drugs, pop music, and many other forms of cultural heterodoxy all emerged from the decidedly non-commercial scenes based around university campuses, artist communities, and rural communes. Without its DIY culture, California's myths wouldn't have the global residence that they have today um and and like it also says you know for those not blinded by free market dogmas it is obvious that americans have always had state planning they just call it the defense budget so like all these you know like key elements of like um you know the, the things that like we associate with like the california lifestyle like come from this like cultural bohemianism that then later gets commercialized and then the people who like Initially created this thing, like can't participate in it anymore. STEM where, like, major, actually,
1: STEM major getting uh fucking plucked uh from their their fancy little school to work at fucking Lockheed. I, I am literally
2: a STEM major. I studied math. I had I have a BS. Wow, wow. Why didn't they pick you for Lockheed? <laughs> I'm sure that they they would have if I wanted it, but I don't <laughs> want I don't want that. I want to do. Podcasting for my yeah. work, for my job. But I'm <laughs> I'm I'm tired of the, the STEM discrimination as a them in STEM. Okay. Let's she, rewind she, to the she, beginning
1: of the episode she, where she, you where you asked what like what eight years between 2020 and 2020 and 2020. Okay, okay, that's counting
2: math. I didn't I didn't go to school to learn how to count. I can use a calculator for that. so i'm just saying like what happens it's very american i guess it's very californian also is that like there are always like cool things created by people who are just like they're doing it for the love of the game or it's like funded through public money and then it is taken away from us and then when we're like hey can we have it back please they're like what about like self-sufficiency why don't you become an entrepreneur Why don't you get into crypto? Make
1: your own small business. Yeah, make your own small business. Are you having a scarf? You know, you could monetize that. You can sell that on it. Yeah, and
2: it's just (laughs) it's so it's so sad. Like Ted Kaczynski made some points. Ted Kaczynski was right.
1: That will be one of our first t-shirts. I hope you guys know. (laughs) Along with them and STEM. Along with them and STEM. Um... I don't want to smoke. I just want to smoke. I don't want to smoke. I
0: just want to smoke.
1: So we don't want to end this episode on, you know, a dour note. We do want to end on a positive note. Um, So, like, I just want to say, you know, organizing for a better future. It's always possible. Like we always say, hope is a practice. Um yeah. we're having well, guests on in an episode coming in the future that are going to talk about um, yeah. anti Web three uh, activism. So look forward to that. And um, I, I will say, like the, the the
2: introduction of like these technologies, like the, the dumb waiterification of the internet, is mm-hmm. uh, like a culmination of a very long process that is like yeah been happening in the west for a while that separates like uh members of the workforce like away from those that are like directly involved in production and this isn't just Mm -hmm. true for the internet it's true for the rest of the world like most people do not spend a lot of time thinking about like where the food that they eat comes from or like you know how it how it is brought to them or like really any anything that like you interact with on a regular basis, like the clothes that you wear, like it all involves like a lot of labor. There's a lot of like processes that go behind it. And we don't spend a lot of time thinking about it. And it's not your fault. It's not your fault as an individual. It is intentionally obscured from you. And so I think that like going into our next episode and like something that you can be doing as you're like practicing hope is like, what can you do as a person online that, like, gets at and subverts this system of apartheid, um, like, where you are, are separated from, like, all of the labor involved in the time that you spend online, that separates mm. you from other workers, other people on the internet, that separates you from, like, people that are different from you, and also from your own community, and, like, what can you do? And your own self-sufficiency. Like, to
0: and, and,
1: bring that back or to make it happen for the first time. Yeah, and I think we have a couple of suggestions. Um, you know, I this is this is one of those suggestions that obviously you do need some means to do, but I think it's also important to just look at it um as a process without necessarily going into the monetary like buying habits of it. Um, Apple's, you know, propaganda, notwithstanding, um, you'll have a lot of people tell you like oh your your pc is like so big and clunky and your big desktop computer nah, nah, nah. but the reason tower pcs are big oh, wait, is are you about they're... to do
0: anti-iPhone yes, propaganda I am.
1: no I'm love... <laughs> no, 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 not Microsoft I'm not okay. talking about that I am saying that like um looking up videos of, of people like putting together a pc you start to realize um wait. how Communism
2: is build a PC.
1: No, step one, not crypto and gaming. I'm not saying that, but I am saying that you you can demystify the process of like what it takes to build a computer. Mm
0: -hmm. Once you
1: like look through a video of someone literally using like a single Phillips head screwdriver and like no more manual skill than once again just like building a Lego set, um, you start to realize like watching those people do that, that you're like, oh this person can do it in like under an hour and they paid like maybe like, and like a lot of these people who make these videos will be very honest and they will lay out the exact specs of their computer and what, like what they bought. Um, and like how it runs, like how it runs more efficiently than say a a computer they bought from like an actual tech store rather than buying all of the parts, um, like Apple or Microsoft. And once you realize that you start thinking, Hey, why am I paying $1,500 to $2,000 for a Mac desktop computer when it seems like this person can put together a computer, a fully modular computing device in under an hour for w- way less of, than that? I'm not saying you go buy a PC, but once you start to like look at videos of people taking apart retro tech or current tech and explaining it to you bit by bit, you start to realize exactly how a lot of this tech isn't actually that hard to understand and it's they they want you to think that it is so much harder than it <laughs> actually is who's they who's they they, they the is men- apple, apple they is ios they is microsoft uh, yeah they, they is they is silicon valley they is okay. <laughs> they is california fuck
2: fuck mary Kill. peter Thiel. oh bill gates oh mark zuckerberg
1: I mean, all of these guys should be divorced, but I'm pretty sure it's just Bill Gates who's divorced, so. Yeah, Bill Gates is single.
0: Mm.
1: Oh my god, can I just kill all of them? I
0: don't want to fuck one. you
1: gotta fuck one of them. Oh, okay, kill Peter Thiel. Yeah. Um, I just think that that's necessary. Um, he's like the main head of the Hydra here. Um, in I, I will kill
2: him he's a personal enemy of mine I'll tell that story mm-hmm. on a different episode but Peter Thiel anyway. and I have no I, I'll let him know about it at some point <laughs> but like Peter Thiel and I have personal personal beliefs. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I thiel. have to kill him as well
1: um, the old Thiel I don't fucking care um, ugh, God I don't know I just feel like marrying Zuckerberg gets me into like such a fucking headache of having to listen to him talk about how his haircut makes him look exactly like Alexander the Great and having to be like sure babe yeah totally all the time but at the same time Bill Gates is divorced and that's for a reason so I'm stuck (laughs) I don't know I feel like
2: I would probably marry Bill Gates because I could like kill him and make him look like he's old
0: yeah, so I think that,
2: like, the amount of time like that. that I would have to be married to him is just, like, shorter. hmm But... Fucking Zach. Fuck the Zach. Uh, I mean, yeah. Well, and, and being married to Bill Gates is not going to be a walk in the park. No. Um, I think that in addition to, like, developing some tech literacy, like, learning how a computer works, um, and, like, learning what is a website and stuff is, is also, um, I think getting off social media as much as you can i'm not Mm -hmm. saying that you need to go like full let like i'm on twitter and like on instagram and and we like plug our own social media all the time but i think like not using it as your primary source of like community building um Mm -hmm. and like trying to spend more time like off those parts of online and then like also intentionally like spending more time online and like other kinds of places i'm really excited for the guests that we're gonna have in the next episode who are like the creators of the yesterweb that are going to talk a little bit about like the small web movement um and i think just like trying to find ways to create community online like that um and getting off social media
1: as much as you can that are that are as self-sufficient as possible you know these yeah and it's it's
2: difficult and it's not something that's going to happen through like individuals just making choices mm-hmm. but i think that it's it's something that like you can start on yeah
1: and that's i, think what I would important. do i think it's important also to shout out some things that i think are really useful um people that because um, like i think a lot of people would say like just read a couple of wired articles to get like a good sense of tech and i think that's wrong um <laughs> uh, but i do think that there's a couple different people that you can look into that are using the intersection of like digital privacy and digital activism like activism specifically about digital life um and the intersection of that with um like socio-political issues people who are talking about that right now um that i think are really important to shout out in some ways uh there's a website that i'm going to link below um it's neil.fun dark patterns and it's basically a visualization tool of um, how user design right ux design um, creates these patterns, um, of like, uh, behavior that they'll instill in you as a user, um, so that they can trick you into doing certain things. Um, this includes like, if you, if you know anything about like the, how hard it is, uh, to get rid of like an Amazon Prime account, that's a dark pattern. So I think that's really useful to look into, um, to start really identifying like those moments of like, wait, what is this website trying to get me to do? What does it want? Uh, from me and what like am I like instilling into myself to just like ignore or allow myself to do um, form and so, content baby yeah. form and that's, your, content. that's your
2: art degree at work
1: yeah. <laughs> it really is um
2: and also being okay with asking stupid questions yeah, ask stupid because questions. there's there's a huge like barrier I think to entry right now with like learning these kinds of skills and I think that uh I don't know like the stereotype of like people who like hold this kind of knowledge uh, is a little bit intimidating, especially yeah. just a, a little ooh they them that doesn't know yeah. anything. You're just ooh, I don't know stuff. Um, and that's I think the other reason why the Yesterweb Web community is really great, and I really recommend like mm-hmm. that people join because it's a great place to like just go and be like I, I literally do not I don't know how a computer works. I don't know shit, um, and I think that like feeling comfortable with asking dumb questions like getting answers nothing is like too obvious and then just like starting from there because like if this is a place that we're like spending the majority of our time on whether it's like through work or socially um it shouldn't feel like magic to you because if if we're going to use like online as like a an organizing tool um, or a tool for like education or radicalization like you need to know how things work um, and you need to know how to like create your own spaces for yourself. And I think that, that, that might be the yeah. note that we um, leave our, our little paper on. Yeah. And we're going to yeah. give you lots of little recommendations in our recommended yeah. readings as always. You should read the Californian ideology. I can't promise that this is the last time that I will cite it. It's so good. The ending is actually not that good. The analysis is great. Their conclusion is that like we should form like a, like Indian. a when, yeah, which is stupid. But they're are French. They don't know it's anything. Yeah, but analysis is fantastic. You should follow us on social media. We're Big Sway Naturals on Everywhere. Twitter and Instagram. And we just said that social media is bad, but you know like whatever garfield meme. that's the dialectic that's the dialectic as the we dialectic always say. is when we get clout and then we <laughs> make you feel bad for being on social media after you follow <laughs> us um i'm commodify this on twitter and kendall I, is I she am herzog
1: she, i am she herzog um send us an email if you send want Send us an email um, big soy podcast at gmail.com. send us a
2: picture of yourself in a corduroy suit make a new cities make a <laughs> new cities and send us your new cities and we'll add Correct. you to send our web ring. Website.
1: we'll add you to our web ring we're gonna make a web ring it's gonna be super we fun have. we we have links to all well, of right, our friends do. i made yeah. that crazy um and then uh also you know subscribe to us on patreon if you want to give us money. <laughs> and
2: our, we're, we are doing a thing now where yes. we plug our friends, work, which I guess mm-hmm. we always do. But, you know, we've got artists in the room, mm-hmm. not with us. Um, and they make music. And my really good friends, Molly Ringworm, have an album that just came out. And I think we're going to close this with one of their songs. Yeah. And we're probably not going to do this every episode. But when we have, like, People whose work you want to share, you, you might hear it at the end of an episode and you should stick around and listen to it. And maybe yeah. if you make music
1: and it's not bad, <laughs> then we'll play it. Yeah. Send us an email. No more than one email.
0: Really? Uh, to, I would
1: love multiple I would emails. Love, you know what? Yeah. Multiple you know, emails. Uh, sing, send us your fucking SoundCloud
2: and we'll go check it out. But I just want—I yeah. want an email. Yeah.
1: I want and, emails. Said this, you know, we want emails much like Hillary Clinton. We love emails. All right. Um, goodbye. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts right. and Spotify. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. as much as we uh, complain about the algorithm, we are also, we love uh, it. We, we are chained to it. We are attached to it. Mm-hmm. Um, we are the, the prettiest prisoners in the algorithmic uh, panopticon. Um, anyway, goodbye. Shut up. We love you or we don't. <laughs> Bye. Bye.
2: ago, we had Bob Hope, Steve Jobs, and Johnny Cash. But now we have no jobs, no, <laughs> no cash, and no hope.